I'm Leah, and it's Old Fashioned Friday. We're talking about Wisconsin's signature cocktail, all the best watering holes, and small-town, big-hearted living. Pull up a chair, and let's get started. Hey, it's Leah. This is another episode of Old Fashioned Friday. Welcome and thank you for joining me. What is Old Fashioned Friday anyway, you wonder? Well, out of a little bit of coincidence and a little bit of frustration a few years ago, I was really missing being able to go out, sitting in a bar or sitting in a restaurant, taking our time, enjoying a meal, and not just doing takeout as we've been told is somehow best for us. I was frustrated with all of that and missing having it old fashioned out with friends. So one Friday night, I hit live on my Facebook page and started making a drink. I shared it with a few friends and started talking about the history of old fashions, the tales and stories behind them, and just kind of kept doing that on and off for the last two years. Finally decided maybe if people other than my handful of Facebook friends might find this interesting. I'm hoping that's you. And so we're making a podcast. We're in season two already. I can't even believe it. So thanks for joining me. I like to talk a little bit about the craft of bartending, interesting old-fashioned recipes, and other types of cocktail recipes. I like to share about our small town, our community here, the importance of friendship, fellowship, sharing food and drink around a big table, making connections with other people. That's what I'm all about. So if you found your way here, I'm so glad you did. And let's get started. This is Old Fashioned Friday, Season 2, Episode 3. Welcome to the Old Fashioned Friday podcast. In this season of the podcast, we've been taking little virtual tours of Wisconsin distilleries and wineries. Last week, we talked about J. Henry and Sons Distillery in Dane, Wisconsin. And this week, we're down in the same part of the state, quote, virtually visiting, I hate that word, virtually visiting the Wallersheim Winery, which is in Prairie du Sac. Now, I have a little, well, incomplete backstory about the Wallersheim Winery, Years ago, I had co-workers and good friends with the last name of Wallersheim. And as a thank you gift once, they brought us a bottle of Wallersheim wine. It was delicious. Now, that was the first time I had had it, and they had some connection with the family. And for the life of me, I cannot remember what it was. But then, of course, you know how your brain works, and once you're introduced to product or word, then you begin to see it everywhere where you never really saw it before. And that's how it was with the Wallersheim Winery for me. Once I was introduced to it, I saw their wine everywhere. And then I think it was in 2012 that Wallersheim also started a distillery. And so that's a bonus. They're a winery and a distillery. So let's start our tour, shall we? If you want to learn more for yourself, their website is wallersheim.com. Pretty easy to remember. So the Wallersheim Winery is situated on a hillside near the Wisconsin River in Prairie du Sac. The first settler that developed this land where the winery sits today was a Hungarian nobleman named Agustin Heretzi. Sorry for that pronunciation. Sorry for that butchering. This was in the 1840s. He planted the property with grapevines. And the other mark that he left on Wisconsin during his time there is he incorporated the state's first town, Sauk City. He started a brickyard, riverboat, and ferry business and laid out the village now known as Sauk City. Then in 1849, he chose to follow the gold rush out to California. 
and there also he had a hand in developing the wine industry there. Following that, a German immigrant named Peter Kiel took over the property, and he built the structures that still stand today. He continued to plant grapes there for wine. Kiel's family continued the tradition of the family winery and also started making brandy. But after a difficult winter, the family closed the winery and converted the property into a conventional family farm. Well, and then Prohibition happens, and the family sold off what was, what was the remaining wine. The leftover barrels were used as firewood. The Kiel family continued to farm the property for a few generations, and after that, in 1972, they sold to Robert and Joanne Wellersheim. They restored it to a working winery, planted more grapevines, brought in more oak barrels, and converted an old carriage house into a store. And today, the Wallersheim children continue the legacy of making distinctive regional wines on the slopes of Sugarloaf Bluff. Now, if you're ready to venture to Prairie du Sac and tour the winery and distillery, they are open to that. The wineries open daily in the afternoons, as is the distillery. They also have a bistro that's open daily from noon to three. I think. Dane County has some mask mandates still going on, so you want to be aware of that before you travel. They're open to visits. They're open to for group tours. Here's what they have to say about their bistro. The Wallersheim Bistro started a long time ago around the family dinner table. Many hours spent cooking and enjoying family meals together with a few glasses of Wallersheim wine led to discussions of opening some form of restaurant on the site. It took many years for the bistro to be brought to fruition. And the location of the bistro is on the main level of the vintage winery, which was originally used as the carriage house in the 1800s. So they say in the spring of 2019, plans were drawn up and construction began on their full-scale commercial kitchen adjacent to their wine production area. The bistro was officially open for service in October 2019. All the food at the bistro is made from scratch with locally sourced ingredients. It's a truly unique experience to enjoy a glass of wine, a cocktail, and a French baguette all in the location where it was made in a beautiful and historic setting. That sounds wonderful. So they're open noon to three most days. I think we're going to have to venture down and give that a try. So let's talk about their distillery. Now, Jacob Keel was actually distilling brandy back in the 1800s. The brandy was used to fortify the wine. Many years later, the Wallersheims were ready to resume brandy distillation at the winery, but due to regulations after Prohibition, Wisconsin wineries were not allowed to distill. But the state law changed in 2009, and wineries were allowed to start distilling again. Brandy was a natural fit as Wallersheim's first distilled product. Their first branch of brandy was released in 2013 and sold out in a matter of weeks. If you can oblige me for one minute while I talk about my day job, are you tired of missed deadlines, back and forth emails, scope creep with your creative projects that go over time and over budget? Well, so am I. I'm tired of it too. That's why as Deer Mountain Media, I offer day-long design summits. I've got a method that completes your branding package, logo, copywriting project, or even a website start to finish in one day. One fixed price covers your pre-consultation, your one-day summit, Plus, I don't just leave you alone with your deliverables. You receive customized training, reminder emails, and videos to help you utilize your new website, style suite, or marketing plan. You actually know how to use them. Want to give it a try for your next project? Reach out to me at DearMountainMedia.com and mention that you heard it on the podcast. My schedule fills up quickly, so be sure to contact me soon. 
Now, the recipe that we're going to be going through today is from the Wallersheim website, and it is a Wisconsin brandy old-fashioned with their press house brandy. So we are talking about the Wallersheim Winery and Distillery today, and they share quite a few recipes on their website, and we're going to talk about their old-fashioned today. Of course. Okay, let me see here. Okay, the Wisconsin Brandy Old Fashioned. Here we go, this is the Wallersheim recipe. One and a half ounces press house brandy, so their brandy. One quarter ounce Wallersheim Old Fashioned cocktail syrup. Yes, they make their own old fashioned syrup there. An orange wedge, an amarena cherry, seven up or squirt if you would like a sweet or sour, and then a skewered orange and an amarena cherry for garnish. So you're gonna take an old-fashioned glass, muddle the syrup, the orange, and the cherry into a thick paste, and be careful not to work the orange peel. Add in your ounce and a half of brandy, then fill the glass with ice, and top with your choice of soda, sweet or sour. Briefly give it a stir, and then you garnish with your orange slice and your amarena cherry. Now what is an amarena cherry? And again, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. So what is an amarena cherry? Amarena? Amarena? I'm gonna go with amarena. Now the amarena cherry is not to be confused with bright red maraschino cherry that you might find on the grocery store shelves next to your ice cream to make a hot fudge sundae. It's not that. They're a dark wild cherry that's grown in Bologna and Modena regions of Italy. They have an intense cherry flavor and even though the name comes from the Italian word amara, which means bitter, the bitterness is slight and then the cherries are preserved in a sweet syrup that masks any bitterness. So when you find them in a store, they're basically candied and just the rich texture that they have just is gonna add a beautiful component to your old fashioned or any drink that you would garnish it with or any dessert you would top it on or your vanilla ice cream and the amaretto cherry is healthy for us. Now, I don't know about the candied part of it, but they're considered a superfruit. They're a good source of vitamin C, potassium, fiber, folate, magnesium, and iron. They also are a higher antioxidant than grapes, oranges, plums, raspberries, and strawberries combined. Now, a jar of the candied amaretto cherry might be hard to find, or it might be a little bit pricey. I was just doing a quick search and found a jar for $35, like as compared to a Luxardo jar of cherries, which also is pricey. Those are about 19 or 20, which I'll pay, I'll pay, but 35, they're probably worth it. But in a pinch, I found a recipe to make an Amarena style cherry at home. And this is thanks to emilyfabulous.com. Thanks, Emily for doing some research on how to reproduce this type of cherry at home. The ingredients you need for your own amaretto style cherries are a 15 ounce can of sour cherries and a half cup of sugar. You add the entire can of cherries with the juice and the sugar into a small saucepan, attach a candy thermometer and bring the mixture to a boil, stirring occasionally. Then you would reduce the heat and simmer until the mixture becomes foamy and keep stirring till the temperature gets to 225. The cherries will slowly turn a dark red color and shrivel slightly. And you wanna look for a honey-like consistency and a color change and then you know the cherries are done. Uh, the process could take about 35 minutes, so be prepared to stand and stir. You can transfer the cherries and syrup into a sealable jar and allow them to cool before putting on the lid. 
store them in the refrigerator until gone. That sounds good, delicious, so I may need to try that. Have you been enjoying Old Fashioned Fridays? Become a supporter. Your monthly contribution of $1, $5, or $10 a month helps to cover some of my costs and keeps things going around here. If you'd like to help out, all you have to do is go to oldfashionedfriday.com, click on Listen, and click on Support, and you can sign up right through Patreon. Thank you so much. So I had two different experiences this week, both similar, that I wanted to share with you. So last week I was at a mixer type of event, um, kind of a professional setting, and was being introduced to someone. You know, I reach out my hand, hi, I'm Leah, and they're like, you look familiar to me. And it turns out that this person had already, unbeknownst to me, found me online. Thank goodness what they found was favorable and a good impression. It was just kind of an interesting way to meet someone. I think so often we have interactions online and they never translate, correlate into anything in real life in person. So that was just fascinating to me. I think sometimes it's so easy to be anonymous online whenever you see someone commenting or posting or whatever and there's a person behind it and then when you meet them in real life, it's like, do they line up? with who they present them to be online or sometimes I think online it's easy to be like extra mean or boisterous or like not who you really are and um, that's something I always strive for is to be as authentic online and here as I am in person and so that there's no surprises. Just meeting this person like that um, reminded me of how important it is to keep your your profiles up to date and uh, really be true you know you don't want to like exaggerate or anything about yourself online because when you do meet them they're gonna find out the truth you know so it was a good reminder for me um to continue to be who I am online to be as authentic as I can be online as I am in person and again that word is overused authentic I know and it also was a good reminder to me to Uh, make sure that some of my, you know, we all have kind of abandoned social media accounts. And um, I think it's important to either close them down or keep them up to date because you never know who's searching for you and what they might find. Um, And then the other situation that I ran into, I was sending an email um, inquiring about a business, about someone's business on the other side of the state. And while I, again, as far as keeping things up to date, I have Um, links and my email signature to a blog that I wrote and I have not given any attention to that blog in a couple years I would say but the link is still on the bottom of my uh, in the link is still in my email signature and this person um, we went back and forth about the the business matter and then she emailed me again after we were done and said I have I normally don't do this but I have to tell you I normally don't like follow click through links that people have promoting themselves, whatever. But she said, I did. And I read your blog. It was very encouraging to me and what she needed to hear like in that moment on that day. I just thought that was really fascinating. Again, a reminder that I need to do better at keeping my online presence everywhere current. And probably that's another place that needs some attention again. Um, But it was just really 
really interesting to me how this really random, random connection and that's an area in her life that she was really feeling depleted in one day. That's something that I had written two, three, four, five years ago came around to encourage her and that that was an encouragement to me, maybe an encouragement to start writing again and maybe pay some more attention into that blog. But just a lesson that I learned this week that you might think no one's paying attention, you might think no one's listening or noticing you, you might think you're anonymous online, but um, we're not. We're all real people and we need to be natural and straightforward and forthcoming in person and that and it's just as important for your character to follow through who you are. Your character should follow through with who you are online as well. Just a little life lesson. Bet you didn't sign up for that today, huh? So your assignment this week, besides making some Amarena cherries at home and besides picking up a bottle of Wallersheim brandy and making a lovely Wisconsin brandy old-fashioned with it, you have an additional assignment of making a list of all your social media accounts, maybe Googling yourself, that might be scary, and uh, see where you show up online, see what you look like. Update it, clean it up. If there's anything that you might be embarrassed about, what you said or how you presented something or how you commented back on something, you know, it's okay to delete it. Just clean it up, take an assessment of who you are, what your character is, and see if that lines up online. I know that's what I need to do this week. So that's it for this week's episode of Old Fashioned Friday. If you end up going and visiting the Wallersheim Winery and Distillery, let me know. And as soon as I get down there, I will talk about it again as well. That French baguette sounds pretty good about now. So have a great weekend, and I hope you join me again next week for another episode of Old Fashioned Friday. Thanks for following along with this episode of Old Fashioned Friday. I'm Leah, and it would mean so much to me if you joined me next time. Until then, I want to toast to three simple things. Stories shared around the table, well-crafted cocktails, and friendships as strong as our whiskey.